Welcome back to the Mark Claire Show. And uh, believe it or not, this is actually a historic episode. I'm not sure if you guys are even aware of that. This is the first time I've ever had two guests at one time on this program. I am joined today by Adam and Deborah, co-hosts of the podcast, Deborah Gets Red Pilled. Adam and Deborah, welcome to the show. Thanks yeah. for having us. Two hosts at one time. That's what yes. I do. Two hosts, one pod. Uh, that's what we're going to roll with. Yeah. And uh, so... But I'll let you guys eventually describe the premise of this show. But first, maybe Adam, you could start off just describing what is your relationship here with Deborah, um, and maybe you can describe a little bit of what your own sort of worldview and maybe political outlook were. I know it's probably even evolved since then, but before meeting Deborah, before deciding to do this show. Yeah. So Deborah is my mother-in-law. I'm married to her eldest daughter, and um, I think we've had the show. I can't even remember when we started. I think we're in our third year of the show. We've done 200 episodes or something like that. Mm -hmm. And um, I, you know, when we started the show, I was in, it was when, when was, when was the lockdowns real bad? The first summer of like real bad lockdowns. Was that depends where you were. (laughs) If you were like me in LA, they were for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But we started it then. We started in August of the first summer lockdowns. I can't remember what year that is. And uh, I was um, of the same political persuasion as you were when you were still on your old show. (laughs) But I'm not I'm not there anymore either. Fair enough. So maybe we'll maybe we'll get into a little bit of that. But uh, Deborah, why don't you also just describe a little bit where your sort of worldview was um, prior to meeting Adam? And maybe you could just kind of describe. Uh, you know, obviously it all worked out. But what were your what were your first impressions of Adam uh, when your daughter uh, brought him home? Oh well, I, I just enjoyed him immediately. He's got a crazy sense of humor, and you know, by the time they were in, engaged and then early early marriage. You know, thought I thought the world of him. Um, let's see, my political views have changed greatly. I was a dyed-in-the-wool, if that's the right expression, a Democrat. Thought I was on the, the good guys team. And uh, eventually came to have my eyes opened. I got, I got red-pilled. And uh, so now I kind of have a basic mistrust of everything. And hence, hence we have a podcast title. So, uh, Adam, maybe you can describe a little bit. Do you, do you remember a first time, before we even talk about doing this with Deborah? do you have a particular moment of your own that you felt like you became red-pilled? Or was it sort of just more of it? And maybe you can actually describe what that is, because a lot of people have different definitions of that as well. I've, I've met people that just think it means you're like becoming a Republican or something. Yeah, I had a um I had a real hard time with with alcohol for like about half of my life and then I got sober in 2012 and by the time the elections rolled around in 2016 my brain had kind of started working again and I remember um you know I used to be in a in a labor union I was a union iron worker and I was a big big Bernie guy when that in the lead up lead up to the 2000 elections and i remember when the super delegates happened with the democratic primaries do you remember Mm -hmm. those Mm -hmm. and that was the first thing that really just like blew me away it's like wow this is crazy because bernie sanders is like winning these states primaries and then like hillary clinton's coming away with more delegates because there's these these super super delegates who all work for the DNC and, and uh, it just I couldn't believe that that was happening. Was that just a, and, a, a a kind of a realization of like wait a minute I they didn't tell us about this part in school they said you go and vote for the guy and whoever gets the most he wins the thing and then this was like a realization that they kind of had to I, I don't think it's normally talked about in the political discourse because normally the the most delegates go to the people that win but in this case they actually did have to utilize the super delegates so it did become a topic of conversation. So was it for you just realizing there's a crack in this system? This isn't something they tell us about. Uh, things are not what they seem. Yeah, definitely. It just made me realize that, that you know, I was kind of at the same place that Deborah was when we started the show that the uh, left was good and the right was bad. I lived in, I lived in uh, Oakland and San Francisco for a long time. So I was just engulfed with all that. Um, I was in 12-step programs there that are like heavily lean that way, you know, and... um 
it was just what was always around me. And then, uh, I heard, um, you know, as, as much as I'm not there now, I heard, I heard one of the early, uh, Dave Smith, Joe Rogan appearances and, um, kind of made me realize that there was other ways to look at things. And, and I went down that road and it helped me get to, to where I am now. I have no, no regrets. I still like listen to a lot of those shows and a lot of those, those, uh, content creators and stuff like that. But at the same time, I started listening to tinfoil hat and pro triple seven and different stuff. So I was like trying to, I was kind of becoming libertarian. You fell into the pipeline. Paranoid. (laughs) The Liberty Uh, to conspiracy pipeline. Unhinged conspiracy theorists at the same time. Yeah. So um, when you guys first came together, that's, that's interesting that you kind of had that that same point of view that you know the the Democrats were the good guys because that probably is a big factor in how you are re- able to relate to Deborah and to, to relate to uh, sort of the way, the way she has evolved over time. So um, Deborah, for you, do you recall a first moment besides just liking Adam's personality and thinking he was a good fit for your daughter and all that? Do you remember in a moment a moment where he said something something? whether it was something political or something else off in, off in the wild, uh, where you kind of stood back and said, okay, this, this guy thinks a lot different than I do. <laughs> um, let me see. I don't know if I can put my finger on an exact one, but uh, especially in the, in the political arena, I think we kind of avoided that a little bit. I know the election came up, the 16 election came up, but, uh, I'm not I'm not really sure when he started talking about, you know, maybe we should do a podcast together. I was like, what is a podcast? <laughs> I, I didn't even I'd never even heard of it. Um, so that's, you know, I was kind of wet behind the ears. Is that. But I no, I don't remember specifically what what Adam might have said to make me think hmm, he's got a different way of seeing things than I do. Adam, for you, did were there moments? Obviously, that the podcast I did didn't just come out of nowhere. Were there moments in your own interactions uh, when you're first getting to know Deborah through your wife, uh, where you might you, you might say something or bring up something that you knew she didn't disagree with or maybe wasn't familiar with, and you might see you know a little crack of interest? Like, what were the little signs that you had that said maybe we could actually do something with this? Well, you know, it's just the the kind of cringy normal things that everybody does when they're going down that liberty. <laughs> liberty libertarian pipeline like talking to people about democracy and things like that and then i remember um a really good one we were at a wedding one time and i I started uh deborah is a non-religious saturday person if you know what i mean raised jewish raised in the in the jewish religion (laughs) yes I, i know exactly what you mean because i i am exactly as well I was raised but, uh, pretty much a, a Saturday person. I guess I like that. I like that <laughs> phrase. I'm gonna start using it. Yeah. So she uh, apparently didn't know what a bris was. She didn't know that there I was. A, knew what a bris was. Didn't, I didn't, didn't know your know version. That, uh, she didn't. Well, that's not my version. She didn't know that a <laughs> rabbi would suck the baby's little ding dong when they were doing it. There is a version of that, from what I've heard. Yeah, I, I don't believe that's what Deborah or I would have would have grown up seeing, but. But yeah. there is a version of it from what I've heard. And I, I told her about it at a wedding and she's like, no, that's that's not true. That doesn't happen. And then she like told her husband about it. And he like, I saw this like <laughs> immense rage in his eyes. He got really mad at me. And then I did a simple Google search and like found all these New York Times articles talking about little babies who'd gotten herpes from rabbis in Brooklyn. And, you know. Nice casual wedding like, talk. Yeah. Stuff like that. Good, yeah. good wedding I reception. this wasn't your own wedding. <laughs> no, some lesbian <laughs> wedding. But. <laughs> well, that, that actually does seem like an appropriate setting for that, for that conversation yeah. somehow. Um, so th- take us sort of, Adam, from, from the beginning of things. Um, what, what actually inspired you to, to come, get up and you know, do, turn this into a podcast, turn whatever conversations you are already sort of naturally ha- having with, with Deborah uh, over the dinner table or whatnot, uh, where the idea for the podcast itself come from? Um, I, I was just such a fan of, of podcasts, you know, I had a, uh, really boring, um, job that I hated and I was able to listen to headphones most of the day. So I became a huge connoisseur of, of podcasts, uh, as soon as I, you know, found them in around 2015. Um, and I always thought, you know, I'm listening to all these, these conspiracy shows and it's usually just 
two or three people in it, you know, in a room together, agreeing with each other about a certain thing. And I thought, well, it would be super fun to, I was massively trolling Deborah all the time, just like text <laughs> messages. And send, I was sending her all these uh, DMs on Instagram. And then I found out like years later that she didn't, she had never even opened any of them because she didn't know what a DM <laughs> was. <laughs> and uh, I thought, you know, I just thought it would be a great, a good, a good show, a good, uh, something that seemed kind of original to, um, to do it. And we, we started out and it's real, was real, real clunky and it's still pretty clunky sometimes, but we've had some, uh, some good moments and, and yeah. I mean, it's, it's part of the charm. It very much is, and it sounds like, and is on a very real conversations that, that you guys have, whether it's just between yourselves or whatever guests uh, that you bring on. Um, I, I'm curious, Deborah, I know you kind of, you know, said you had a, sort of a, a typical Democrat outlook um, before sort of going down this, this path a little bit for you. I'm curious. I mean, you're, you're raised, I believe in like, you're from the San Francisco area. Is that yeah, correct? Bay yeah. Area. Uh-huh. So did you, kind of grow up not seeing not seeing your viewpoint even as a viewpoint per se but just as this is the right and correct true thing that we know and all that other stuff people are saying are these weird crazy fringe viewpoints that are somehow attacking the truth of what we know to be correct is that more yeah, that, that's kind of what i get from a lot of people that grew up in places like that <laughs> yeah pretty much i mean you know i think the bay area was a little bit of a bubble and maybe it still is of um you know liberal Democrats who, you know, were always for the underdog. That's speaking for myself. That's kind of how I felt at the time that um, we should be, you know, giving everybody a handout and, uh, you know, the Republican party was the, were the warmongers and we were the, you know, the peaceful peacekeepers and, we, uh, yeah, I think pretty much I, I didn't really get a whole lot of, um, other opinions growing up, even into early adulthood. I mean, everybody that I kind of was around was of the same opinion. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, having lived in Los Angeles for almost 20 years, I can say uh, I, I, I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> um, all my opinions had to come from from elsewhere, so, so to speak. Um, so, and I know that you guys mentioned a lot of this was starting, this conversation was starting to happen around like the 2016 range. So I'm curious for you, Deborah, how much of like of your political viewpoint at that point in time, which is around the time I, I think you got you, you and Adam are having these sort of conversations, how much of your politics became consumed by and fueled by uh, Trump rage. Oh my goodness. I have a ton of Trump rage and uh, I still do actually. I just dislike the, the person. Um, so yeah, I, I was bound and determined to do, you know, whatever I could to stop him from getting into office, which just well down to my voting for Hillary. That was, uh, but I couldn't believe that we went that direction. I couldn't believe that. What was, do, do you remember? I'm just curious your reaction that actual <laughs> evening because. Oh, I remember it really well. It was one I was, of the most fun nights of my life. I'm not going to think for a lot of people, but not even because I was a Trump fan, but I think just like a lot of other people of our ilk, we just enjoyed the, the shade and the pure shade and fruit of the, of the reactions. I was with a, um, a group of women that I get together with once a year, oh, no. women oh, no. that I lived in, uh, in the dorm, my freshman year of college, we've been doing this 50 years and we were t- together. We were, you know, on one of our weekend getaways and we were all, uh, there were two who voted for Trump and the, the other six of us were all Democrats. And I we didn't know that that's surprising to me. Yeah. I was shocked that two of these women who I've been, you know, so close with all these years, I was really shocked, but anyhow, um, did you have a rea- gut reaction almost like what's wrong with you guys when you when you when kind you heard of, that? Kind of. 
Um, one of them, I, I, I understand a little bit better now. She had moved to Arizona with her then boyfriend and he was a staunch Republican. The other one, I, I don't really know exactly how I would, you know, file that away in my head, but we were at dinner and we decided we're all putting our cell phones face down in the middle of the table. And the person who picks it up first to look at it is buying dinner. So no, none of us looked until after the deed was done. And then it was just shock, just shock that he was elected. Did it, did it, did it reframe? Cause I, I think this almost could have been, I don't know. I don't think a red pilling moment, but a, a something moment. Did it reframe your perception of, our reality in any way because I think many, the, many people the reaction was very different than just oh my person lost this side one loss it seemed like something so incomprehensible had happened that it actually did somewhat break some people's view of of what was going on and I, 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 that's kind of what I'm getting to is I wonder if somehow in the back of your mind that happening might have somewhat paved the way for the conversations with Adam not that they were about Trump but just about the fact of things aren't exactly what they seem um, I can't say that it did because I still thought our government was legit and and had our best interest. Um, so I can't say that I thought there was something, you know, squirrely going on. But uh, yeah, that's that's changed a lot in in the ensuing years. Adama, uh, we can go back to you for a bit here. What? Um... I'm curious when you first started talking to Deborah about politics, what did, and you got some whatever indications that you could, you could at least have a, a, a good conversation with her. It wasn't going to turn into, uh, you know, a fight or what have you, which is how it really just used to be. So I think that that hopefully can be the norm again for a lot of us someday. But what, what was, what were some of the first sort of tactics that you used to sort of try to lead her along and, and show her your viewpoint without necessarily, or maybe sometimes you did just bombarding her over the head with everything at once. I think it was just pointing out contradictions on her side. And, um, you know, just to be honest, when that election happened in 2016, I wasn't, I wasn't where you were either at that point. I wasn't like laughing at, at the left. I think, mm -hmm. you know, um, I, I've been pretty honest about this before. Like after, after Bernie bent the knee and kissed the ring, I was really bummed out. And then my union told me to vote for Hillary Clinton and I did it, you know? So I, uh, I was very, very shocked and surprised. And, and, uh, yeah, I was living in San Francisco at that time. And it was, it was just, uh, it was, it was crazy just because you are in, in such a bubble there. But as far as, uh, what the question was, what, what were some of the things that I started talking to her about politically or yeah. I can't remember, but it was just, a I. I was, I was the kind of the question that you asked Deborah about when I saw the, the reaction of the left, who I thought was kind of my side to another person winning. And that's when I started to, to really, really wake up and be like, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a Trump guy. I'm not a Republican, but this is just crazy that, that it's, it's becoming polarized like this. Um, I would just talk about, you know, I would bring up different things that that politicians on the left had done that were exactly the same things that Trump was doing or worse or like, you know, those ones where you would say, like, uh, can you believe that that Donald Trump said this? And then it's but it's like really a quote from Gavin Newsom or something <laughs> like that. You know, it was just um, pointing out political inconsistencies to people on the left, thinking that that was going to make their make them make them wake up and and read well, murray that, Rothbard that shows me exactly like that. that that shows me you were definitely deep in your libertarian phase at that point yeah. because that's that's what we love to do is point out everybody's contradictions and then go aha and then just wait for them to you know go read uh, man economy and state yeah, that's, that's, yeah that's exactly <laughs> um but yeah it was just just a lot of stuff like that and uh our first yeah. um a controversial podcast. I think it was our second one was on um, 9-11. And uh, so I, I did do a little bit of research into that before we went on. 
and um, but was totally unprepared for. Yeah. And it wasn't anything crazy. It was pretty much just like the loose change arguments, yeah. you know. Yeah. Did you prior to that have any you know thoughts about nine eleven other than just you know the the, the standard. The bad guys attacked us. Uh, we launched some wars. Maybe you didn't like the way Bush handled it, but it wasn't necessarily a, a, a conspiratorial issue for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. 19 guys with box cutters. Uh, <laughs> all right. So, let, so let's dive, dive into that one a little bit. What, what are some of the first things that you learned about 9-11 that made you, you kind of go, what? Because <laughs> there's a um, lot. Yeah, there's a lot. Uh, the one thing that sticks out in my mind is... Was it Cheney who went to the Pentagon and was... No, it was Donald Rumsfeld. Rumsfeld who went who was and was out on looking. the lawn picking yeah. up trash. Yeah, yeah. That kind of hit me. But, um, he was out on the lawn picking up trash? I don't even think I know that yeah, one. Yeah, the like, next day. Oh, um, he, so he makes that, that speech about all the, the money that's missing the day before, right? Uh, yep, then the like next the, day, whatever hits the Pentagon. I don't think it was planes. There's some people that that do and say that there's footage of it. I've never seen it. Um, but uh, yeah, that day uh, Rumsfeld was out picking up debris on the, on the lawn. After the attack? Yeah. He was just picking up debris? Yeah. What's the conspiracy Looking there? Other than something. that it sounds weird as hell. Looking for something. I don't, I don't know what he's doing, but he was out there. Yeah, he was out there. On he's the just lawn helping out. Which, you know, he's just, yeah. he's getting his volunteer hours in. It's community service hours. Um, let's not just gloss over that, though, because, I mean, that's... Even in conspiracy realms, I don't think it gets focused on maybe as much as it should. Um, and Like, I, I've talked to people, too, that think, you know, there was a plane and a lot of the evidence. And we're not talking about the two towers, by the way. This is just about the Pentagon. But still, I really feel like I would have seen a lot of footage of a plane or some footage or any footage of a plane. And the still to this day, the only piece of footage that's come out from the Pentagon is that one, like two frames that shows something. Oh, an explosion, right? Something going. It, it yeah, shows like Ryan, a Ryan something. Dawson and Scott Horton will tell you all day that, that, that a plane hit it and that there's footage of it. Yeah, so let's go into that. <laughs> Why not? Because yeah. um, that's and the one all, thing that... Those two guys will also say that, that office furniture can, can make, a, make a building fall down. All right, Deborah. So, what uh, along the things we're talking about here? Are these things that you're learning as you're doing the episode, or as you're preparing to do the episode, and what what is going through your mind as you're hitting hitting your, you know up against some of these very odd occurrences on what you pr prior to that had believed was just a very straightforward yet horrible uh, event. Well, the thing that kind of turned m my mind around was the. Um, the structural engineering and all the reports that came out from the, you know, American Association of Architects, or I, there was some some organization that was like architects this, and engineers for nine eleven truth. Thank you. I had DVDs um, from them at one point in like I want to say two thousand three, two thousand four. I couldn't even tell you how I got them, but I I don't know if people are. I feel like I got some on the Venice Boardwalk in in L.A. Like people just handing yeah. out conspiracy DVDs. That those those were the days. Yeah, but it was it was that that kind of just opened my eyes that you know things just didn't happen the way they said they did because uh, it's physically impossible. The physics just don't add up. It couldn't have happened the way it happened. And then, you know, it was years later that we talked started talking about Building Seven. I didn't even know about Building Seven. And that um, just kind of cemented. I mean, years had passed, had, you know, but that really cemented it. You so, know, because sometimes you know the truth, but you just don't want to know it. You just can't, your, your mind just doesn't want to accept it. And I think, you know, I, I lived in, I think I used to tell Adam that I had a foot in both worlds for a long time. Like the normie world and the... <laughs> the wild and crazy conspiracy world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did would you say you still have a foot in both, or is 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 one side <laughs> falling yeah, into I, one of the other? Yeah, yeah. It's it's definitely leaning away from my former beliefs. Well, so 
at the end of the day now, so where, what do you now believe about nine 11? Um, obviously you believe it's not exactly what you were told, but have you, because I'll be honest, I don't even have a, a, a per se 100%. Here's exactly what happened. Conclusion. I just can say there's, if when there's 72 things that are just make no sense, then there's there, you know, when there's smoke, there's fire, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. I can't say that I have done my own research to, you know, decide for myself because I'm not a deep diver like that, but, uh, I definitely she told me last week that the that the Jews did it. <laughs> <laughs> I did. The term is Saturday, people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or Iroquois. Um, no, but um, yeah. So I definitely do not buy what they're selling. Well, it's it's actually an interesting topic to get into because I I do feel like. 9-11 is, is a very interesting one because like you said, there are people in the libertarian you know, world that will discuss it in sort of the Ron Paul manner um, as a, a foreign policy talking point and as sort of a, a discussion about blowback and non-aggression principle and all this stuff. And even to this day, I'll find myself generally nodding along when I hear these arguments because, yeah, I agree, there probably is blowback and that probably is responsible for a lot of um, ill feelings in certain areas and, and terrorists and recruiting of terrorists. I'm sure that is true. At the same time, look at that and how can we just all act like that is just what happened and that it is a one of those strange things i think it's actually one of the things that is is an example that comes up in my mind a lot of why i sort of veered away from just looking at politics uh on the surface level and and talking about it that way because I, I looked around and realized libertarians are out here with their principles having all these conversations and then acting like every single event is exactly as it was described in the media and the textbooks or the official narratives. And that just didn't make any sense to me, how you could understand so much, but then act like so much of what you're told is is just, you know, baseline reality. Yeah, definitely. I, uh, I agree with that. And, you know, over the past, you know, three, four years, we saw when it came down to it, when it came down for for libertarians to do libertarian stuff, a lot of them chose not to you know and uh that's kind of kind of what drove me the opposite way but those 2008 debates with the with the ron paul moment with giuliani i mean that's how can you see that and not not resonate with that and be oh, like yeah. okay yeah i, I, I still I, get, I get out get of that. my chair and clap when i when i see that yeah. clip so <laughs> yeah yeah all all us you know ex-libertarian guys still give give ron paul the pass you know yeah, no, Ron Paul always gets the pass. We 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 all agreed on that uh, at yeah. the meeting. <laughs> um, Deborah, so mentioned you mentioned nine eleven. So while we're starting to get into uh, conspiracy land a bit, are there any other, um, whether it's a political idea or more of a conspiracy angle, are there any other sort of mind blowing topics that Adam has introduced you to that really? change your perspective in sort of a, a 180 degree way from whatever you believed about it before? Well, I, I, I still, I, I don't think this is what you're asking, but flat earth, I, I, I can't accept that one. <laughs> she gives the, the opposite answer. She's like, no, I'll, I'll tell you the one I'm totally I, out on. And that's, flat. Got, I don't believe her on that. Because David Weiss <laughs> sent her the Flat Earth app, did. and she was he watching did. it every day, every and, she day. Had to, and she had to uninstall it from her phone because it was working too good. Have, but, have you um, two done a full Flat Earth deep, deep dive together? Yeah, we've done not, it. Not, okay. a deep, not a deep... I mean, we've done... We had a few come, different... It's come up on a few different episodes, but then, you know, early on in the show, when Dave Weiss was doing kind of the rounds, he came on our show, and uh, she'd never been presented with with any of that stuff before. I love it. Um, and it was pretty cool to see that she, you know, she didn't. Deborah um, does not get offended and do the whole re thing like, like, you know, my mom would do. If you even broached any of these topics, she'll listen and be like, wow, that's really crazy. I never thought of it that way. I, I don't know what to think. Um but I know um, if you want to get into one with her that she that totally worked on her is is uh, the moon landing. We had uh, oh, we yeah. had Alex Stein on pre famous Alex Stein <laughs> to do a really fun um, moon landing episode, and then uh, we've had Bart Sabrell on twice. Oh, nice! Yeah. So I've wanted yeah. to get him on. So 
I'll need to get yeah, in contact. He's, he's a fun. He's a fun guy to have. Um, yes. Moon, Man, Moon Man. His most recent book is a great book, and definitely his documentaries. A funny thing happened on the way to the moon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, are, are, are great. And um, if you listen to to Moon Man or any of that stuff or read it, um, and I mean, the, the moon landing for me is my litmus test. Like, there's I know guys that are like flat Earth is my litmus test. For like, if that's if a pretty I tough litmus test. test. I mean, yeah, you're not you're not going to get a lot uh, on your side if you're going to make that your litmus test. Do your your can we even talk about this kind of test? Yeah, but um, for me, it's it's the the moon landing. Um, I don't, uh, you know, if if anybody in our world has been presented with just the basics of it, um, there's I don't ha- see any way that you could just the whole like we we erase the tapes on accident. Yeah. And then, and then the. Yeah, we lost, we lost the plans. And seeing that Don Pettis is the spokesperson for NASA. (laughs) I mean, that's, that's them massively trolling us. Literally. I mean, I'm not trying to be offensive to anyone who is, but I also don't really care. Literally, they got a retarded guy to come be the spokesman of NASA. And this is exactly what is going on in real life right now. (laughs) There's no doubt in my mind that they. It is like Don, a joke. Yeah. They put Don Pettit in a dark room with a TV screen in there that might be like curved or something to look like a windshield and told him that he went to the moon and I think you're the International Space Station and he believes it. Oh, that, that, and that's what I wonder too because a lot of people will say, you telling me all these astronauts are lying or... and. And first of all, there's not that many astronauts ever, so maybe. But but besides that, uh, I've also thought, well, maybe they go and do stuff. You know, maybe they get sent into something, and maybe it yeah, goes somewhere. I think, I think all the Apollo astronauts are lying, but yeah. I think that there's pe- like all those people in the control room now, all the all the autistic computer nerds right, that they hire. Right. I think they like are watching video games and thinking that, that they're that it's the real thing. Sure. Well, did you guys see the? Um, a more recent version of this that I think is even, I don't know if I could say more. Today's episode is sponsored by Fox and Sons Coffee. And let me just tell you, Stephen of Fox and Sons, he is not just an advertiser. He has been a supporter of this show from day one. And frankly, since before day one, because he came over with me from the old Lions and Liberty days. So true fan of the show. He started this company, Fox and Sons, out of his love for coffee and really out of wanting to further bond with his sons and spend time with him, just like he shared time with his father drinking coffee. Uh, He also gets to teach his sons about entrepreneurship and business through this endeavor. So I'm so happy to have Stephen and really his whole family, the Fox and the Sons, the whole gang as a supporters and sponsors of this show. Not only that, his beans are so high quality, fresh. Look, I just got two new bags right here. I got the Mexican and my favorite, the Den Blend Dark. The beans are super high quality, fresh and sourced from small organic farms, fair trade. None of this GMO garbage. They're all small batch roasted. This is high quality stuff. Subscriptions are by far the best way to get your coffee. I have a couple subscriptions going, uh, but that is the way to go. You never run out that way. I never run out. I always have my supply of Fox & Sons. So I want you to head over to foxandsons.com. Put in your order today. They ship fast. They ship now through the end of February. Also, by the way, you're going to get free shipping on any order over $37.99. By the way, while you're there, use discount code MCS to get 18% off any order over $25. Stephen Fox is a great man, a great friend, great supporter of the show. I encourage you to check out his coffee over at foxandsons.com. Or ridiculous in the moon landing, but it's pretty fucking ridiculous. It was this thing where they said they were going to shoot a missile at an asteroid, and they they broadcast this on CNN. If I had the time, I'd try to find the video, but it'd probably be too too distracting from the show. But they broadcast it on CNN, and it's just this very obviously animated like asteroid that, that the camera is getting closer and closer, and then it explodes, and they hit the asteroid, and then all the nerds in NASA are cheering and high fiving. <laughs> and my point being, I agree. I think those nerds are really really, really think they just did something amazing. You know, they are put in front of their computer, they punch in their numbers, they move the thing and the thing goes boom and then they cheer. That in yeah. no way is evidence that any ast- that, that, that that cartoon I just saw was an, was an asteroid. Yeah. Yeah, I had, a, uh, I had a chance to talk to some guy who's some subcontractor or something for NASA for some, I don't even know what he does, but it was on a mutual friend of ours like uh private um patreon zoom chat that he does once a month and this guy was saying i 
our friend asked him if he believed that that the moon landing was was real and he said yeah and i was just i just just asked him the basics you know the the basics like what what happened to the tapes why can't we do it anymore and he's like well the guys he he gave me first he gave me the bill nye excuse which is it would it would be harder to forge all the paperwork than it would to be actually go to the moon. Well, you've seen That's the photo what, of the, of the, they say that this is the girl that, you know, wrote the code and it's just this tiny, you know, nerdy librarian chick next to a stack of papers. They literally say, this is the code from the yeah. moon landing and we have to rewrite this. <laughs> yeah. And then he said the, the guys in the sixties were like so brilliant and they were just, they were just running so fast and loose that they weren't even recording this stuff. So it can't be. <laughs> These guys those are guys so smart. So much, they're they're yeah, doing they're so math in their minds. What we have now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They don't need to write it down. <laughs> and that was the, the explanation of someone that works at NASA. Wow. So Deborah, do I, I take it then you're, you're fully uh, moon pilled then. I am. Okay. So yeah, sorry to say. I'm curious then in your own um, normal life where I assume you still interact with many people who are like you are and were, you know, um, uh, what mm -hmm. have you. Um, have you ever encountered a, a time when something like that, whether it's the moon landing or 9-11, comes up that you've been brave enough to say something different than you might have years ago? Or do you still kind of keep this thing, something you just do with Adam? A little of both. A little of both. Um, earlier on, I, I did talk about it quite a bit. And um, some people were not receptive. Some people <laughs> thought I was a little bit crazy. And so, you know, I, I, I refrained from talking to those people about these topics. But um, yeah, what most, about yeah, most people think that it's just out of the realm. What about in the, just even on the, you know, not necessarily the wild conspiracy realm, but has even just your maybe evolving worldview and involving political view, has that seeped its way into the conversations at all that you have? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it has. Um, you know, more, more about, you know, our politics, U.S. politics. Um, yeah. That there are no good guys. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. What would you say then if, because I don't think we fully addressed this in the beginning where we we're talking about the red pilled concept, but now that, you know, the show is called Deborah Gets Red Pilled, I think you would probably call yourself red pilled, but that doesn't necessarily mean you have a certain set of beliefs. And this is something I just described to people because not, not everybody knows. Some people encounter this phrase for the first time. You may have never heard the phrase before meeting Adam. I'm not sure, but what would you describe meaning it meaning now that you consider yourself red pilled? What does that actually mean? It obviously doesn't mean to you any particular political belief. Um, it means that you don't take at face value anything that the media or tells you that there's um, there's some hidden agenda and it may be huge. It may not be huge, but you can't take it anything at face value. I think her her crumbling perception of what the the mainstream media um portrays is is the biggest takeaway from the whole show so far yeah yeah I, yeah I used to be i mean i loved uh don lemon and i loved <laughs> <laughs> just loved him we're laughing with you not at you don't worry <laughs> i'm laughing too yeah, she was a big uh, Chris Cuomo guy. Oh yeah. And remember, remember when uh, when his brother was was in the presidential race for a minute? She thought he was really good. He, she thought he was the one. He was going to be yeah. the one to take down Trump. And then she thought it was going to be Bloomberg also, but mm -hmm. it didn't really pan out. <laughs> Whoever thought it would be Biden? So <laughs> yeah, nobody nobody thought it would be Biden, and perhaps nobody still does. So um, you know, we're on YouTube, but I don't care about that stuff, and I, I'm I'm still strikeless on the new show, so I'm willing to be a little frisky. So Deborah, uh, speaking of that, that um, you know, of Trump no longer being in office, what do you think about all that? <laughs> I don't know how else to phrase it. What do you think about all that? How all that went down? Uh... And well, I I, 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 I do. know you don't like him, and so that's probably maybe good that he's not there. No matter what, if you don't like him, you don't like him. But I'm curious I, I, how your I new still, new perspective has. Yeah, I I still am not been shown anything to make me believe that there was not 
an insurrection. Oh, we went, we jumped right to J6, didn't we? You're saying, oh, so, okay, that, there might have been a couple of negatives there. Are you saying you believe, so you, do you believe that there was or was not? I believe there was. You believe there was. Okay. Interesting. I believe there was a group of people who uh, wanted to do some damage. Yeah. I, I agree there was a group of people that wanted to do some damage. We might just disagree on who they were. Uh, Adam, what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> oh, um, well, you know, taking at face value that that there was a, a totally organic group of people that wanted to go in and, and break windows on a on a. Oh, there is a group of people. They just they just mostly work yeah. for the FBI. <laughs> yeah, not it was inorganic is is what I was what I took away from it. Um yeah, I don't uh I think if the if you know people were trying to overthrow the government, there would have been some weapons involved on the side of the people that <laughs> that were trying to do the so-called insurrection. I don't believe that, you know, we got into a big fight with somebody that used to be one of our friends who's not anymore on the show because they thought that that uh what the sentence that Joe Biggs got for breaking some windows is totally was wasn't enough. So you know, okay. So Deborah, do you have any thoughts about have you seen like a lot of the judgments coming down with people related to that event? Do you think that those judgments are just? Have you seen any that you think like even if I think something was going on here, maybe that doesn't seem right? Because there, I mean, there are actually people now that have been sent to jail. Uh, that weren't even there. and or yeah. So I'm just curious h- how you s- view all of that. Well, uh, you know, again, it's our government telling us, you know, or, or at least one faction of, of the government, the Democratic side, telling us this is what happened and, and this is what they deserve. Um, I, so, you know, I don't, I don't trust that 100%. I don't trust it, you know, hardly at all. But... I haven't seen anything. But what do you think when they like, when all this video comes out, like when Tucker Carlson got all those tapes showed, showed a fraction, small fraction of them on the air. And then they were forced to release people like the QAnon shaman from prison because it just showed him walking around peacefully with, uh, into a building he was let into. (laughs) Yeah. With, uh, with the Capitol police who were like, giving him pretty much a guided tour and unlocking doors for him and stuff like that. Hmm. Well, I I have to confess that I hadn't seen any of that stuff. And maybe it's because I'm not watching the right shows, but uh, yeah, I don't, I I don't know about that stuff. Yeah. It's all, it's all out there. It's uh, I think, you know, it's still crazy that people have been, convicted for not for not being there it's it's weird too i don't know you know that we're talking about this guy from the proud boys enrique enrique tario wasn't even there but i thought that guy was you know it came out that that guy was a fed as well a couple years ago so oh really i mean maybe maybe yeah nothing nothing would surprise me on this stuff i mean that's the thing and i'm sure this is something that has come up not just looking at 9-11 uh oklahoma city i know you guys talked about that before i mean everywhere you go you see the this FBI involvement or Fed involvement yeah. of, of different organizations. So, d- does that give you any skepticism over something like January six? Maybe you think there were bad actors that wanted to do something there, but does do, do you do you catch any of the same smell that you catch from some of this other stuff? Yeah, I, I, I have. Yeah, we're breaking her down. We're breaking her down. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it's not that I, you know, have any firm hard feelings about it but i i just hadn't seen the other side of it at all all right well we don't need to we don't need to nail it down today maybe it's something you and you and adam can dive into a little bit more <laughs> on a future episode um do, do have you guys ever gotten into like combat over obviously you came from different perspectives and disagree on a lot of things but has there been any particular issue that has been harder to get over a hump with or are there particular viewpoints deborah that you've kind of held on to that adam hasn't been able to change you whether it's like i'm just tossing out ideas guns abortion whatever it may be feel free to pick one um covid oh okay well He's, he just mentioned guns as well so that's another one guns is a tough one for every for yeah for everybody, I think. It's that's a hard one for me, for sure. Guns. Is it because you 
I'm guessing, I'm guessing you've talked about it in the lines of, you know, individual rights and sort of the, the way that Adam was kind of framing things from the libertarian viewpoint. Um, is it, is it that you, do you see his viewpoint and sort of like agree with it philosophically, but it's just too hard of a bridge to cross because it just, because it's scary to yeah. kind of thing. It's just so foreign to me. I wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, I have no experience with them whatsoever. And, and so, you know, I just kind of gravitate towards, you know, if, 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 if I had one, they would use it on me, you know, they, they, I, that is what I hear a lot from women defend myself. It would be used against me. Mm-hmm. So, and I understand, you know, Adam has, uh, you know, gone into, he's had a lot of training and, and he understands and he learns a lot about it. And, and so he has a much different, um, perspective than I do but to me they're scary things Adam have you taken have you taken Deborah to the range yet no um I live out in the woods or sorry you don't so need a range yeah where you are you can just you can just invite here, her over <laughs> um, uh, she if she ever wanted to while we were here I would love to you know I've got I've got a Ruger 1022 by the back door you know that's like shooting a BB gun Deborah maybe we could start out there next thing you know you'll be You'll be a NRA range instructor, you know. You know. <laughs> well, I would. I mean, I know you can show her, but I, I will say, like, sometimes the, those NRA classes are pretty good at, at helping people that aren't that aren't familiar with it because they'll go there and see. You'll see another woman your age, and you'll see another. You know, you see people that you wouldn't have thought are going to be handling guns, and they're all in the class with you. So I, I have seen that kind of help people. Yeah, my before. wife's done those. Yeah, so I used to belong to a rifle club when mm-hmm. we still lived in the suburbs, and and. uh my wife went to one of those all women um, NRA hosted, you know, week long classes. Oh, wow. Week long class. That's intense. Just like a couple hours every night. No, gotcha, gotcha. I'm curious, Adam, you know, the premise of the show is you pulling Deborah along in a certain direction and uh, red pilling her. But I'm curious in all this time and all these years of your interactions with her now, is there is there anything that Deborah has changed about you or anything that you've taken away from Deborah's approach to things? For a long time, I wanted to do a couple of people suggested this to me, like people would DM me and be like, you need to do a reverse episode where Deborah blue pills you on a mm. topic. Um, I definitely see her, her perspective on a lot of things and that on, on a lot of stuff, it's maybe, you know, better to be uninformed. I like, I like, uh, doing all this research and, and figuring stuff out and listening to crazy, crazy ideas. But I think the biggest takeaway that I've had over 200 episodes, most of them with, with guests who make the rounds on other podcasts and stuff like that. Um, is that I'm a pretty good judge of character and I'm, I can pretty easily tell that there's a lot of people in this world who are full of it. There's a lot of stuff that I don't believe in anymore, even if I wanted to a whole bunch and, um, I can just, just smell bullshit really, really easily now. Um, and there's a lot of stuff that I don't even care about anymore. So, uh, I see, is one of those I, things I, convincing people to be libertarians? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I said earlier, like seeing when it was time to be libertarians, when this whole thing started, there's, you know, people that, that we've mentioned on earlier in the show who are supposed to be the one who's right about absolutely everything. And they were screaming from the mountaintops how people need to wear masks and stay inside, even though it shouldn't be mandated by the government, but people still need need to do this type of thing. And it's like... You know, I, I saw people like that that I looked up to doing it. And, you know, um, it just it was it was such a big, big turnoff that that when the chips were down and when it was time to to do it, that those who, who talked all about it before and then d- didn't didn't act. I think and, that, um, that. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, that that's it. Um, and then just. uh transitioning into out of trying to get trying to get out of the materialistic world and and see things like more spiritually and that that changed my my views a lot and that happened probably you know a couple years into covid so interesting yeah and and going back to covid because 
I think this is where I started to see some of the flaws in, in libertarianism. And again, it's not, I, I have no rational criticism of the logic of it or the logic of the non-aggression principle or the logic of Austrian economics of it. Uh, I, I think that we've, the libertarians have come to obsess so much about consent, 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 or whether, if it's the government's not doing it, it's fine. Uh, and that's how you get a bunch of libertarians that can be, advocating a bunch of what I think is still horrible shit, even if the government doesn't mandate it, uh, whether it's all the stuff we saw a few years ago, masking, jabbing, whatever it may be, defending the thing, but saying as long as the government doesn't, you know, isn't the one doing it, it's fine. And you you see the effect of that in society because everything that was being moved with COVID was moved by humans being propagandized and humans believing things. And whether the government told them to do it, I found that was even irrelevant because in, in Los Angeles, they would remove mask mandates and people would complain about it. I would have friends that would be complaining that they're worried they're removing the mask mandate too early. Uh, so it's, it's, I think a lot more moved by the people. And when we're just focused on the government aspect of it, uh, we're missing a lot of the boat there. And I'm curious, Deborah too, because I think when, when you and Adam started having these conversations, he was pulling you more in the libertarian direction. But now, somewhat like me, he he's kind of gone through libertarianism. Not really rejected it per se. I think. Correct me if I'm wrong, but just gone through it and seen that there's more to it than that. I think that's that's the way I would see things anyway. And I'm curious if you've seen any of that along his growth along, along similar lines. Hmm, that's a tough one. Well, you know, he's always evolving. He's, um, I would say. You have been a, in your life, you've been a searcher and um, you've gone through a couple of different phases. This is, you know, an outside looking in. Uh, and so I've, I've seen some softening on some of your um, ideas. Uh, I can't come up with any. Is it the ideas or the, the, uh, the approach? Because I think that's what changed about me the most. It's not necessarily that I think my background ideas are different. It's about what I care to prioritize and what I care to spend my time convincing people of. Yeah, probably, probably more that. Would you say, Eric? Eric, would you say, Adam? <laughs> um, I think I got to the point where I realized what was important in life, and it wasn't trying to convince people to be like me. Mm -hmm. Um. Which is so yeah, we, hard for the libertarians because that's yeah. that's entirely that's all we have. Like we're not going to win office. We're not. So all we can do is convince other people to believe the same yeah, thing, and then say, and that's the victory. Tell people that we're right, you know, mm -hmm. um, with without any risk involved. But um, yeah, I mean, we the the biggest wake up for me was was we got involved during the lockdowns. We started doing like freedom cell stuff you remember freedom cells john mm -hmm. bush's thing yeah and uh you know we were doing it in, in portland oregon and um of course it got taken over by like uh urine drinking hippies and antifa eventually <laughs> but, as these things um, tend to happen yeah what, what the great thing about it was that i got to actually meet other people who claim to be anarcho-capitalists out in the wild. I went to freedom festivals. That'll do I, it. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I grew up in, I'm from the exact same subculture as Buck Johnson and Father Turbo Qualls, mm -hmm. who have talked about it on your show before. Um, and so when I go to a freedom festival for the first time, and it looks like the parking lot of a fish concert, I am turned <laughs> off and I'm like, this is not, these are not my people. This isn't what I want to do. I met a whole bunch of people who talked about, we need to get out of the cities. We need to homestead, all this stuff like that. And none of them, the people that I met, probably two other couples, my wife and I met two other couples that actually did it. We did it. And then it's just full of a bunch of people that want to smoke pot and, and spin around in circles. Mm -hmm. And uh, like literally spin in circles. While listening to <laughs> this is not a metaphor. Bits. This is what they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Around the campfire. And, um, it just made me realize that the people that, that preach all this, all this stuff, nobody does any of it. Nobody, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to live in a van. I don't want to drive around and I don't have the money for my parents to do that, which is mostly what people are doing that do that. 
I think that uh, HBO documentary about the anarchists was about Anarchopoco was super accurate. And, um, you know, I think it's a, a great portrayal of that, that whole scene. And it just, uh, that whole thing made me realize that just because people might have some of the same beliefs as me or just because people don't want to wear masks or something like that, it doesn't mean that they're my people. Um, my wife and I got, got out of, out of the city. We live out in the woods. Um, and it's just, it's, I, I was lucky enough to be able to leave the job that I hated. And, and to tell you the truth, when you get out here, the the most black pilled people I meet live in, live in apartments in cities mm. and have no, no, um, nothing beyond the material. Of well, the no wonder world. they're black pilled. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I live out in the woods and I, I, I work on a farm all day and I go to Orthodox church every Sunday, you know, and, and I'm, you know, it's, a, I'm living, I'm living a good life. And that's, that's how my life has changed because I was able to like get out there and meet people and, and find the people that I like and realize that the ones just because we hit shared some, some materialistic beliefs in common doesn't mean that they're my people. I don't know if that was an answer to any question or if I just rambled too much, but yeah. Well, you mentioned the you know, the ortho. I assume you're referring to Orthodox Christianity when you talk about the the worldview. Uh, yeah, I, it, oh, I I go to the Sunday Orthodox. Is that place. is that <laughs> how how new? Yeah, the, the Sunday. You're a Sunday person. How how recent is that transformation for you? Is that is that is that something that's happened in the last couple of years? Yeah, I was baptized um, last Pascha, which is what we call Easter. And so I'm in my first year of being um, a full, full member of the church. Uh, I, I did nine months of catechism, which is classes where you learn about theology and stuff like that leading up to it before so, that. So here's so the question. Um, yeah, well, like, March, go ahead. Uh, March or, April, or May will be two years that I've been going to the liturgies on Sundays. So Deborah, you're raised a Saturday person. Was your, your is your daughter and Adam's wife? Was she still was or is she still a Saturday person? Or was this? Are you doing this? Never was. Never was. Okay. No, my husband. My husband is Catholic, and we just like kind of threw that's, our that's hands up now. and yeah, and let her be whatever. Right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, that's interesting. <laughs> that's a good approach. Uh, cool. So, I, and I'm curious as you, just as you've seen Adam's evolution on in political issues and and that whatnot, have you noticed uh, or what have you noticed? I guess about his change um, on the religious end has has that rubbed off on you in any way? Not that I think you're gonna you know not be a Saturday person anymore, but <laughs> I'm just curious if you've just gleaned anything from that, just as you have from his evolution in politics and and whatnot. Just that he has found peace. That that is very very um, uh, obvious to see that this uh, this has brought him a sense of peace that I don't think you had since I've known you. Well, that's uh, the fact that, that you can notice that is makes me happy. So. <laughs> awesome. I mean, that I, I'm curious too. So, I mean, you kind of said you're more, it sounded like to me, raised more like culturally Jewish and not super, super religious. Is that, is yeah. that accurate? Yeah. Has, yeah. has seeing that transformation in Adam, I'm not asking if it wants to make you be a Christian, but is it, has it piqued your interest in taking religion more seriously or, or looking into it anymore? Or are you just kind of just happy for him kind of thing? Well, it's a little bit more than that. It's, um, you know, for the longest time, I would never say that I would pray. Uh, because it felt like if somebody was sick and you want to say, oh, I'm, I'm sending you prayers or I'm sending you good thoughts, I would never say I'm sending you prayers because it felt um, hypocritical to me because I was removed from any uh, religious beliefs at all by my choice. And um, so now I'm, I'm, you know, like... It, 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 I'm I'm being touched when Adam says grace before a meal. I'm touched. Where be, I, maybe I I would have got, rolled my eyes before. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah. So I don't know if that answers the question, but oh, it does. It absolutely does, and that that is something. For sure. I mean, I think uh, my wife and I have had similar conversations where we'll 
see hear somebody make a comment or something like that or say a prayer or something. And sure, maybe like she or I aren't like in that same place. We don't say the same prayers or do those same practices because we haven't gotten to that place. But we're in a place where we'll say like, oh, I just realized I think that's really nice now. And I and a few years ago, I might have been like, oh, okay. So I exactly know what you mean there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I wonder yeah. how much ra- being raised... Jewish, not but not really. Saturday, but not really, plays a part in that because I think there is a common thread. I'm not saying all Jews, but me, you, and others I've met are very often raised essentially as atheists, even though we might go to a service, uh-huh. even though we might go to, the, to a thing yeah. at some point. We're not. It's not really driven home in in the reality around us. Besides that, and at least that's yeah. how it was for me. Absolutely. Yeah. I, you know, my family made me go to religious school until I was confirmed at 15. And, um, you know, we celebrated all the Jewish holidays with my extended family. Uh, but I went to a school where there was just, I mean, it was, you know, white Anglo-Saxon Protestant all the way. There were a few Jewish families, but I think one black family and maybe a handful of Asian families. And I resented being Jewish because I was other. Yeah, I really did. I mean, going, you know, having to miss school on the high holidays was, I, I mean, nobody says they'd rather be in school. I wanted to be in school, not because I was, you know, because people know you're out for the Jewish holiday, so it like makes yeah. you a thing. Yeah, yeah, Interesting. yeah. Interesting. Did you ever get her like kind of like made fun of oh, yeah. for being Jewish? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I killed Christ. Yeah. Oh, we've all heard that. We all know that. <laughs> yeah. People always forget what the Jewish kids go through. All right. We we yeah. everybody knows. Okay. Everybody knows because even if you don't look like it, they know who's not there on those certain days every year. Absolutely. And pe- people Absolutely. catch on pretty quick. Yeah. Um, <laughs> There's a lot more I want to dive into you guys with, but I think I got to just tease the audience there and save this for the smoke-filled room. So some of the stuff we touched on, I want to dive a little deeper on. But uh, before I let you guys go, before we jump into the smoke-filled room, uh, well, Adam or Deborah, either one of you, I'll let you kind of describe kind of what... Um, well, Adam, you can give us kind of the rundown of all, all the places to find the show. But I, I just want to hear from maybe both of you where you plan to take the show from here on out. Because it's certainly... I th- I'd say it's a pretty different show than it was when you guys first started. So I'm curious what you're doing with it right now and kind of where you see it going yeah so i have uh 100% full control of the show deborah <laughs> is just on along for the ride and um because of my religious conversion we have stopped doing a lot of like we don't do any woo woo spiritual stuff on the show um i'm really into parapolitics um 90s conspiracies Patcon stuff. We just had a great episode with um, Richard Booth from the Libertarian Institute on uh, on the uh, Oklahoma City bombing, and you know, as episode two hundred and four, and uh, I was really, really happy with the way it came out. It's one of my favorite episodes that we've ever done, and uh, yeah, I just like to keep keep going down down that line, um, parapolitics, and you know deep research, finding people that are doing Twitter threads and getting people that aren't, you know, famous ones that do the rounds on all this conspiracy shows um, on. So if anybody in the audience knows some cool stuff about that kind of thing, OKC, Ruby Ridge, um, you know, what was going on in the 80s, JFK, anything like that, let us know. We'd love to have you on. We'd love to talk to you. And we're just going to keep keep chasing it. So. Mm-hmm. All right, Deborah. Any last words? Any advice to anybody who, like Adam, may have a uh, a blue pilled family member that they'd like to uh, crack the ice with, so to speak? Um, no, you'd have to talk to Adam about that one because he he is he has done it uh, without. Well, you got to you got to know what worked, though. You know, it 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 seems to have worked. His patience. On you he's definitely patient with me because you know, I'm. I, you know, I'm I'm the first to admit it. I am not a deep diver. I am really never ever would have dreamed that he could convince me to do this with him. And now here we are, 200 episodes later, and um, still doing it. Uh, you know, we went through some different phases. We did a lot of um, uh, uh, what do you <laughs> shoot um, like Dogman and 
Decrypted stuff. Decrypted (laughs) stuff, thank you. And we did a lot of serial killer stuff for a while. I think that's probably too dark for you nowadays. No, I love that. That goes along with everything. (laughs) No, I love serial killer stuff. We did a bunch of program to kill stuff and yeah, all that stuff. Yeah. It, it all ties in and uh, maybe we'll talk about some of these topics in the smoke filled room but guys I had a blast talking to you guys and I, I really so really do love the show I really love hearing your interactions and it's so fun to to just hear someone sort of uh, get their mind blown or really think about things deeply in real time and, and that's something you get to hear all the time listening to the show so keep up the great work and thanks Thank for coming so on much. the show thanks guys All right, friends, I hope you enjoyed today's conversation. And remember, if you're listening here on the public feed, that means you're only getting about two-thirds of the conversation because every one of these interviews goes approximately 30 minutes longer in what is called the Smoke-Filled Room bonus segment. To get the complete version of every episode, just become a subscriber to The Mark Claire Show. You can do so on Patreon, on Subscribestar, on Rockfin. You can find all the links you need over at markclaire.com. That's markclaire, M-A-R-C-C-L-A-I-R.com. Until next time, my friends, in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night.